So welcome to our third podcast. Today we're going to explore what is the best training methodology to use, whether that be digital, face-to-face, -face, virtual, or a blend of all three. I'm Richard Evans, the Principal Consultant for RGCS. Today I'm very pleased to be joined by Julie Davis, a long-term colleague, very experienced and highly skilled practitioner in the field of learning design. Julie, would you like to introduce yourself? Thank you, Richard. I would love to, and uh, thank you for inviting me onto your podcast today. I'm a learning solutions consultant uh, in the finance sector, and I've been in this role and roles very similar to this for about 15 years now. And so what is that? Well, sometimes I explain what I do to my family and friends that I'm like the bare grills in the training world. I get helicoptered into areas and help them navigate, you know, their way from their current reality of pain to a place of success. I do this by working collaboratively with the business to understand well, what does success look like? And then what is you know, their current reality? So what's the pain points? And then we work together in, in understanding or how we're going to get our learners from their pain to their to success. Fantastic. You've got a wealth of experience there, Julie, which is just awesome. And I picked up that you said that you've been in the whole space for 15 years. So my first question then, why did you become that helicopter pilot saving people in that space of learning? Why did you choose to do it? Well, it's, you know, that's a really interesting um, question, Richard. And, and uh, when I look back, I actually didn't seek out or choose learning as, as a career. I actually fell into it and um, I fell into it by saying yes to a question that I was asked, you know, about 15 years ago by my then manager who, you know, she said to me, Julie, there's a position coming up to train new starters in the role that you're doing. You're really good at what you do. I see you helping your teammates out all the time. Would you like to give it a go? Um, but then she followed it up with, if you do say yes, I will support you. So, so I said, yes. And that was it really, I never looked back. So I went from um, creating, designing and delivering a topic that I knew really well, because that was my day job. And then I started to branch out into other areas. And it was such a good, um, it, was, it was like a training foundation to learn how to do all facets of learning. Because, you know, I, I'd write something and then deliver it and go, oh, that didn't work very well. Yeah. So it's a great way of putting, getting tools in my toolkit. From that, you know, I moved into just really what I'm doing today. Yeah, fantastic. So what you're saying is you really knew what you were doing really well. Your manager picked you and said, I think you could teach yeah. what you do really well. Yeah. And then that's pivoted and shaped and formed what you do now that you've become a specialist now in learning. And I've picked up, you've actually said a couple of times, you've touched on the concept of design and elements like that and all the things that have become your tools now. So if we turn now to the best methodologies to use, if you like, whether that be digital, face-to-face, -face, virtual, or, or a blend of all three, my first question then is, and I think you'd have some really good insights on this because you've been working with so many tools, what's the difference between digital and virtual learning, do you think? And is there a difference? Oh, yeah, th look, there is a difference. And it's, and it's a tough question to answer in, you know, 25 words or less, because digital and virtual, you know, overlap. So one of the ways I was thinking, um, perhaps I could explain it to you is, is what we're doing today. Yeah, you know, we you and I, Richard, we are 
connecting virtually. So yep. I'm in Adelaide, you're in yep. Sydney. Yeah. So it's not face to face, and we're doing it over a Zoom meeting. So yep. we're we're working on a digital platform, and we're connecting virtually. Yeah. To create a learning asset which is digital, which is the podcast. Yeah. So you know that's how I differentiate between the two. You you have a digital asset or a digital. Um, platform and the digital asset could be the podcast and e-learn gamification animation video and the virtual is the connection so you know virtual learning is where there's a connection of people coming together in a virtual environment instead of face-to-face yeah and how 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 prevalent has that come become since the pandemic it's how we connect all the time wouldn't you think well it is and you know I'm in Adelaide. I have teammates all over Australia. Yeah. My audiences are all over Australia. So it's the it's the way of the new world. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I've I've almost kicking and screaming embraced it myself. <laughs> when you've been <laughs> when you've been in the in the field of learning and you have a love of connecting with people, you sort of go, oh well, it is the way it is. Let's just embrace it and set up for it and go with it, go forward. When do you think is the best time to use? digital or um, virtual learning interventions? Uh, Well, the answer I think is, well, it depends. And And I say that as it depends on what digital asset you have created to best support the outcome of what you're trying to achieve. So, for example, um, one of the projects I was involved in was the introduction of a new imaging and workflow system to an audience of approximately 2,000 people. And so the solution was multifaceted in that, um, you know, we wanted to firstly create a sense of awareness and excitement of this new workflow system to get, you know, to give the audience the what, the why and the how. So we created a short, sharp video with with the intent that it was like a commercial. So, you know, we were trying to hit a huge audience that was all over the place. So the biggest impact would was the digital um, learning solution. Um, so that, that worked really well. So you just got to think about, you know, what's the purpose and the intent. Yeah. So yeah. what I'm hearing, what I'm hearing you say there is you can get a lot of scale with um, digital in- interventions and they can be really good and very impactful for that. Do you, do you think they fit all situations or do you think sometimes we're better off to steer away from virtual or digital type environments? Well, I think, you know, Sometimes they shouldn't be uh, standalone. So this one here, so like I just sort of sold it, you know, the benefits of it. But I didn't use it as a standalone piece. Yeah. Because I do know that people don't, you know, they might watch it and not totally get it. So what we did to support that was create um, a talking point guide that team leaders, that we gave team leaders. And when they had their weekly huddles, they would you know, talk about that little commercial that we made and making sure that, you know, people got it. Yeah. So you've, yeah, sometimes it's not standalone, but yep. then you've got to build something that supports it to make sure that um, the connection points have been made, you know, there's the, the learning has yep. has occurred. Yep. Yeah. Now I'm just, I'm, I'm hearing you loud and clear and we're kind of heading into that territory of the blended piece if you like you're hinting on that which is really really nice so in learning circles julie we're hearing a lot about learning engagement learning embedment how do we make sure that our digital learning offerings are um, you know are built for best impact do you think 
Well, it goes down to understanding the why or the purpose of the digital offering. And um, I've seen it work really well when digital offerings are, are done for like pre-work for workshops. So short bite-sized um, e-learns. You know, people nowadays are so time poor and gone are the days when you send out, you know, hours of reading or Googling. Um, they just don't do that um, pre-work before workshops. So I've experienced it, you know, you know, late last year where we made some really great short, sharp, bite-sized e-learns um, for people to do before a workshop. And I think we had a hit rate of like 90% doing it, which is just unheard of. So that is unheard it, of. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So so if you make it relevant, short yeah. and sharp and you know, achievable in our time poor world, that's how it has its best impact. And what and I'm then of course you can build on that when you when they go into the workshop. Yeah, so, so what I'm hearing is that old friend of adult learning, make it real relevant and it's about their job and how they can get direct application. So the same applies to digital, whether Absolutely. it's small, big or whatever. So another question I have then, Julie, is how do we make sure that our virtual learning is built for maximum learning impact? Well, what's that saying in real estate? Location, location, location. <laughs> yeah, well, in virtual learning, it's interaction, interaction, interaction. So keeping your audience engaged in a virtual environment is, is key to learning impact, I think. So I've been in numerous virtual learning sessions, and I'm sure you have too, Richard. Yeah. We, you know, I just haven't stayed engaged. My mind wanders. Yeah. I respond to emails, check my phone. And the main reason is that it becomes a download. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, with virtual learning... When just before COVID started, I had um, I was fortunate enough to go on a couple of workshops with uh, with a lady called Cheryl Walker. She's an absolute expert in the field of um, online workshops and webinars. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and she actually said the best the best thing to do is have some sort of interaction every two to four minutes. Yeah. Now, now yeah. that sounds a lot, but yeah. it's it's not really in the virtual world. Mm -hmm. And you just have to be creative about yeah. the engagement and 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 make sure you've got a purpose for the engagement. Mm -hmm. um, so, are you looking for um, an understanding of of what you've just said? Do you just want them to check in and say hi? Are you still there? Okay. Um, that sort of thing. So, you know, there's so many things you can do in our in the virtual um, tools that we have in our meetings now. So, you mm -hmm. know, get them to place a comment in the chat box, um, do polls, put them into the breakout sessions, use emojis, you know, those sorts of things. Another really good thing that sometimes uh, facilitators forget is they often, you know, have a PowerPoint mm -hmm. slide up and they're taking that through. But when there's discussions, bring that down and get everyone to put their cameras on so you yep. can try and have that personal connection in the virtual world so you can see people's faces when they respond or mm -hmm. how they respond to how people are talking. So, yeah, it's all about having making sure that there's those connection points along the way to, to make sure that people are still there with you, that they're getting it and, and yep. learning, learning's happening. And I, and I must admit that that technique you were talking about with the use of camera, you coached me on that myself. And I was uh, I used that like not so long ago. I thought it's the first time I've used that camera on, camera off technique for both yep. myself and the learners and they loved it. Yeah. They said, we really like this technique because we're not just looking at you talking the entire time. And then we all came back into the room together. 
to virtually yeah. me we got away from the slide for a moment and you know the powerpoint because we've become so heavily reliant on that so it was a fantastic technique such a simple one but yeah. such an impactful one and yeah. there was someone even in the group that actually said i've got poor vision so i was able to lean in and look really close at the slides without having to worry about me looking really close to the camera. And I thought, isn't that interesting? Yeah. It was another flip on it as well. So no, yeah. thank you for that, sharing that welcome. technique. Yeah, it's it all awesome. about building rapport in this virtual yeah. world. Yeah, exactly. And making it real too. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. I want to now turn to our old friend, face-to-face -face training. It's an old friend that we don't see very often anymore. And the pandemic pandemics really change that because it's so much cheaper and easier to deliver virtual and digital type offerings. Do you think, think that there's still an appetite and space for face-to-face -face training? Is there still an appetite? I would say absolutely yes. And, and, and I say that it's, it's really interesting. I ran a, um, a post Im implementation review the other day and uh, I was given the intel before I ran it that um, they'd already given feedback that all of it would have been better face to face. So I had to call out at the start of the, um, the posting PIR, don't mention that you wanted it face to face. We've, we've already noted that. So participants are still giving feedback that oh, this just would have been better face to face. And when I speak to facilitators, they also say, oh, and it comes back twofold, actually, from the facilitators. They say, you know, the guys that we're delivering this to, they want it face-to-face. -face. And sometimes they say, we struggle, uh, especially with new learners, that we yeah. can't gauge if everyone's getting it, whereas in the room we can actually see who is, who yeah. is struggling. So from the participants and the facilitators' point of view, there's still, still that appetite. Yeah. But you touched on it earlier, Richard, when you said it's ch um, cheaper to do to do this virtual connections. Um, so I think the business and, and, and that sort of thing, it's cheaper to connect people virtually. So you're not having to pay travel costs, accommodation, all those sorts of things. And, you know, the benefit is also um, people who live in rural areas don't yeah. have to travel. So, yeah. so yeah, so there's still, there's still an appetite. And I think yeah. um, we're coming out of the pandemic and sometimes we're all in a, a space sort of, of, oh, we're quite happy doing things at home, but yeah. we've got to push ourselves to make yeah. the, the personal connections again. And, and that's where face-to-face -face really comes in. You can have great offsites. You can have great, um, you know, team building activities, you know, collaborating on a, on a complex issue around the table, which you could probably get more bang for buck than doing it virtually. And I'm just reflecting on your thoughts there. I'm, I'm wondering, and what I'm hearing is where that sense of connection and application and probably where people do that as their day job might be a customer service type role. Doing that sort of training virtually could almost be a disconnect because it's not close enough to reality, would you think? Would you know, like if you think of those sort of examples of like, where people are really needing to practice their skill or providing service excellence and things like that, you know, financial services sector, it's within the branches and things like that. So to me, I think we should be very mindful of not losing sight of where those subtleties and nuances, as you've mentioned, happen in the room, don't get lost and you don't just pivot to virtual because it's easier and cheaper Absolutely. Would you agree? Yeah. And, and that's where blended comes in yeah you can do some learning virtually but the applying happens more in that face-to-face -face yeah type connection setting. space yeah yeah 
And that and that brings us to that thought. Can you give us an example of where you'd use a blend of all three? Yes, um, absolutely. So um, we we do what we call role ready programs, yeah. and that that um, absolutely combines all three in terms of there's um, e learns that are that are looked at prior to workshops, and the workshops are the virtual connections. Um, we have people going off and uh, working in groups, out, you know, a bit of self-directed learning in, in groups of three or in partner activities, coming back virtually, connecting to debrief. But then there's also um, the face-to-face -face component in, in terms of we set up buddies. Yep. So even though virtually it might be happening all over, you know, multiple cities, mm -hmm. the connection is... If it's possible, um, you know, with COVID restrictions, they'll actually connect and do a buddy face-to-face -face section. Yeah. So they buddy up to, and the buddy can give that instantaneous feedback. Yes, that's right. No, that's right. Try this. So, yeah. so that blended comes into play for the for the role ready. And then I've seen other things with you know shorter workshops where there's that pre-work. You know, we mentioned the digital learning is the pre-work coming into the virtual. And just, be, you know, a great thing to do at the end of a virtual workshop is, you know, a call to action. And that be that might be going out and working with someone to workshop an issue, a problem or a scenario. So that so it happens like that. You've touched on a really interesting one there, Julian. I, and you've opened my mind as well, because often I used to think of think of face to face as a classroom setting. Yeah. But you're saying, no, the face-to-face -face can happen in a coaching setting, in a buddy setting, which is really, and that brings it really to the forefront of what they're doing. It's because it's in their workplace setting. So that's a another element as well. So on that point, I've got one more question for you, yep. Julie. If you think, so we've talked about, we've talked about um, digital, the difference between digital, virtual. We've talked about face-to-face. -face. You've introduced the whole concept of coaching and buddying have you got any thoughts these are you know when they talk about micro bites and things like that there's a bit of that that gets kicked around yes. in the learning space where, where does that fit in the whole space what what's what's your take on a micro bite oh, well a micro bite technically shouldn't you know what is it one to two minutes and where i've seen that done well is and i go back to um system training where little micro bites of how to do something in a system are created. Mm. So, you know, trying to mimic the um, the YouTubes or the, you know, the internet when, when, you know, when we're all at home and something goes wrong and we need to fix something, we Google, how do you fix? Mm -hmm. So um, so one of the projects, we created a series of how-to videos on how to use this system. So try to keep them really um, short because, mm -hmm. you know, anything more than a couple of minutes, people get frustrated because they're wanting to do their job quickly. Yeah. So um, so making a series of how-to videos so they can just go to and watch something quickly and go, oh, right, got it now. Yeah. And then they can go back and do their work. Yeah. So I've seen that done really well. Where I've seen it done bad is when they call it a microbite and you go in there and it's 10 minutes. <laughs> and so straight away, you just go like, this is not a microbite. And you don't, micro even, you don't even yep. start it because you, yeah. it just takes too long. So yeah. you've just got to be, if you're calling it a microbite, it's got to be short and not 10 minutes. Yeah. yeah. What about our old friend e-learning? It used to be really popular. 
some, you know, many years ago and we pivoted to that. Where do you think that fits into the menus? I think in e-learning, it's, and it's still around in terms of, and I can only speak from, um, you know, the industry that I'm in, we create a lot of e-learns for our mandatory training. Yeah. And it, once again, it goes back to intent, purpose. So a lot of our mandatory training um, ends up being an e-learn because it has to go onto our learning management system so that we can track completion. Yeah. So, but what I have seen in the last few years, and I've been involved in mandatory training, it's gone from the boring questions or download of information. We've, we've actually shifted the dial to making it scenario-based storytelling, making the head and heart connection. So when you talk about learning yeah. impact, we're at least making boring mandatory training from the yeah. past a lot more real and relevant yeah. and putting in lifelike situations. So we're doing we're doing the best we can in in a highly regulated area yeah. um, by by shifting the dial on the content. So it's still yeah. an e-learn that yeah. sits within, you know, it works well for that because we yeah. do have to report to auditors and regulators to prove that, you know, we are yeah. um, keeping our employees up to date with all the what we need to yeah um but where we have been able to shift is how we do it yeah so it's a yeah. lot more engaging now and you know yeah. i haven't been part of but going into gamification has been yeah. a huge shift as well and getting yeah. people into that space and learning and having fun and going oh that was great had fun and and they remember it yeah that's it well, that, yeah that whole concept of remembering and transferring it into the workplace <laughs> yeah that's exactly what we want 100 yeah well, look, thank you so much julie is there anything else you wanted to share today with our listeners about the whole concept of methodologies is there any other sort of thoughts or insights that you think would be valuable that you've learned in your 15 years time in this space oh, well i'm still learning but my biggest my biggest learn and, and sometimes i still do it wrong today or it's it's when businesses come to us and they've already got the solution it's yeah. just stopping and pausing yeah. you know finding out what is really the problem to then get the best solution yeah that's and then testing it with the end user, we haven't even mentioned that. So, you know, yeah. you come up with all of these great ideas, but just make sure it, it, it's fit yeah. for purpose before you, you do anything. Yeah. I see a lot of um, people running these lunch and learn sessions virtually because that, that's the end thing at the moment. Yep. And yep. I go to them and I go, that's not a lunch and learn. They've got the word learn in it, but it's yep. actually just a download of information. Yeah. Yeah. So just we've got to be careful with that. Virtually, you know, we, we're asking people to give up their mm. lunch time. Yeah. And they'll just they just phase out because it's it's just a download information. Yeah. If you're calling it a learn, what is it that they're going to walk away with? Yeah. What what I'm hearing you say there is don't let the methodology be in and of itself. You've got to have good sound learning design, good sound learning intent, good analysis and everything else. And the way you deliver it is purely a methodology. It never lose sight of all those different principles that we apply in that whole adult learning space, make it real relevant, all that sort of stuff. And if you, if, if you hit all that, your methodology and you use the right methodology to deliver it, you're on, you're on a winner. That's what I'm hearing you say. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks so much again, Julie. I really value, valued your time today. It was a pleasure talking to you today. As always, I've always Thank enjoyed you, you, you yeah, loved yeah. it. Yeah, always enjoy talking to you, Julie, about learning, all things learning. 
And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. I hope you found this session valuable. Please feel free to sign up, subscribe to learn, um, receive more insights on the latest news from RGCS. And don't hesitate to contact me if you'd like to discuss any of your learning needs that you may have. And until next time, stay well and keep learning. Mm -hmm.